Hey, the Fickles is open, and welcome to Star Trek Discoverage, the live podcast that boldly goes into excruciating detail about this week's episode of Star Trek Picard. I'm your host, Aaron Coker, a.k.a. Caliban, and first decaf Earl Grey, and now Picard doesn't like sci-fi, hashtag not my Picard. Joining me on the show, as usual, this week is my co-host. She's also the co-host of the Generations Geek podcast, a more or less family-friendly celebration of geekdom. It's Ella Pearson. Ella, welcome back to Discoverage. Thank you. How are you this week? Oh, I'm I'm good. <laughs> I'm in college. <laughs> good and in college. Well, yes. I guess that's could be bad in college, and that's not good. <laughs> Well, it's good to hear. Also joining us on the show tonight, she's the co-host of the Just Enough Trope podcast, bringing all the news that's fit to cast in the world of nerdy entertainment. She's a frequent guest on Discoverage and on Enterprising Individuals. It's Mika Hana. Mika, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me back. Great to have you here. You're you're the host of another podcast on the Just Enough Trope network called Sailor Nude. Can you tell us about that? Uh, yeah, it is uh, where I am a, a super fan of Sailor Noob, and uh, <laughs> you, Cal, are a, a noob to the Sailor Moon fandom, and we talk about each episode of Sailor Moon in the original Japanese with English subtitles, and we break it down to uh, things about, like, within the episode that talk about Japanese culture, the fashion, the food, uh, you name it, uh, something weird is happening, we talk about it. Um, it's a lot of fun. And uh, I think the latest episode, we're up to episode 14 already, which is, uh, I believe, the first appearance of Nephrite. <laughs> Nephrite, which, uh, if you were a noob like me, you would have no yes. idea who that is. But since right. uh, I'm the only noob in the world, uh, everybody knows what that <laughs> is, I'm sure, right? Uh, okay, well, he's he's a he's a bad guy, and he's named after a gemstone, like uh, all the bad guys are in the first season of Sailor Moon. So, yes, uh- <laughs> I I love uh, being on that show because uh, not just because it's it really is a great show, a great anime, Sailor Moon. I'm discovering, but also because it's you know I know so much about you know to toot my own horn, I know so much about different <laughs> fandoms and stuff, and so. Being on the show and, like, everything is, like, a new surprise for me. It's not like, oh, yeah, I know about that, and here's this great part I've seen a hundred times. Like, every ter- twist and turn is like, wow, I'm I'm learning a lot about this about this amazing fandom. <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing that I love about Sailor Moon is, like, it's actually really funny. Like, I remember <laughs> it being funny when I was watching it. Yeah. But, like, but me, older me, is like, this is still funny. Because, you know, sometimes you go back and you watch – TV shows or movies that you like loved when you were younger and growing up and you're like, wow, this has not aged Ooh, well, but didn't hold up. Yeah, right. Exactly. But I, I, I don't think you can say that about Sailor Moon. Well, I'm loving it so far and people can check it out by going to, oh gosh, I think it's at noob underscore sailor on Twitter. If they want to That's know more. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Well, it's great to have you on the show. We've seen the second episode of the new CBS All Access Star Trek series, Star Trek Picard. It's an episode tonight called Maps and Legends. And before we start, as always, we're setting a course for the spoiler zone, listeners. So be warned. We're glad you've decided to join us. But if you haven't seen the episode, spoilers are incoming. The official synopsis for Maps and Legends is Picard begins investigating the mystery of Dodge as well as what her very existence means to the Federation. Without Starfleet support, Picard is left leaning on others for help, including Dr. Agnes Gerardi and an estranged former colleague, Rafi Musiker. 
Meanwhile, hidden enemies are also interested in where Picard's search for the truth about Dodge will lead. This episode was written by Michael Shaben and Akiba Goldsman, who we are, we've talked about them on the show, they're very familiar, and it's also directed by Hanel M. Culpepper. She also directed the premiere of Picard. The star date for this episode is unknown, although we know that it takes place in both 2399 in the main setting and 2385 in the flashback. There's a couple. Ep- uh, there's a few interesting aspects to this episode. Uh, this episode features the first appearance of a Starfleet Commodore in the 24th century. Of course, Commodores we've seen in the past would be like Commodore Decker in the Doomsday Machine of TOS. This episode confirms that the events seen in the Children of Mars short trek occurred 14 years earlier in 2385. And, of course, that means that Star Trek Picard occurs in 2399, as we all kind of expected, but, you know, here we are. And, of course, the classic Vasquez rocks appear in this episode uh, at the very end, uh, seen in uh, many other Star Trek episodes, but probably most famously in the TOS episode Arena. Uh, I also wanted to say before we get going here that uh, I have been reading the uh, Star Trek uh, uh, Picard Countdown series from IDW which is written by Mike Johnson and Kirsten Beyer, uh, co-creator of the show, and uh, Ella's uh, sci-fi aunt. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, wanted to, I wanted to say that um, it's, it's very good. Uh, it is set, I think, it's set even farther back, I think. It's during the uh, Starfleet's uh, attempt to evacuate Romulus, and Picard is out there uh, doing some stuff. And if you want to know the background of the two Romulan characters that kind of work for him on the estate, uh, read that uh, series. I won't reveal anything, but I know people have been curious about why they work for Picard and where they came from. You will find out in that series. It's very good and it's uh, very well drawn, so you can check it out. Uh, what do you guys think of this episode? And I'll just say uh, before we get started here, uh, if you guys want to help me figure out what is going on at all? There's a lot <laughs> happening in this series, in this episode. I'd really appreciate it. Yeah, it just kind of, uh, well, we start with the flashback, but yeah. um, there's just a lot happening just right from the get-go. I had to uh, kind of watch it, like, stop and, like, rewind and, like, <laughs> yes. you know, try, like, wait, I missed something. And for whatever reason, the closed captionings weren't working on the uh the tv that i'm watching it on so i had to guess at people's names and like that's a rough uh, one yeah yeah because everybody's got i mean you know it's the future it's hundreds of years in the future so it's not surprising but everybody nobody's like bob johnson everybody's got a weird name and i'm still trying to sort of uh collect everybody's names yeah i'm finding what do you think um I liked it. I'm definitely, I think I have like this thing where if something happens in a Star Trek episode and I don't understand a reference, it makes me feel like I just don't know. I've, I've forgotten an episode of Next Gen or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And so the kind of the mystery uh, left me feeling a little bit frustrated, if I'm going to be honest. But yeah. I think that um, that maybe is more of a me thing where I'm like assuming that I should know more of what's going on. And, and they, they want to give us more of a mystery. Yeah. I don't know. I am wondering uh, just offhand if, uh, you know, I try to keep enterprising individuals and discoverage, uh, you know, of listeners uh, open for listeners of all ages, uh, PG or PG 13, but maybe we just have to go full mature on this because it seems like Star Trek CBS properties are uh, trying to court an adult audience 
uh, especially with all their <laughs> F words. Is that, did she say, is that what she said? Did she say cheeky fucker? Well, we now we're mature. Is that, now. What, she, is that what she said? <laughs> we're not on a delay, so yes, uh, I think so. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what we. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was very surprised. This t- this gets Tilly off the hook though, as being the only uh, R-rated uh, talking character in the franchise. Well, I was interested to see, and I was glad that we saw the attack on Mars. You know, when you set something like that up in a short trek and you talk about it, I think it was pretty clear that we were we were going to see that, and uh, they were going to pull the trigger on actually seeing that. But it almost raises more questions than it answers. You know, we see the attack, but of course we see the uh, plastic people, as they call them, uh, the the synths, which are clearly uh, soon based androids and when i saw that i mean i know we've seen flashes in previews but when i saw that it was like a moment it was like the, the end of planet of the apes i was like you maniacs you did it. <laughs> you know they always talked for years about you know breaking data down or using him to build you know as guinan said this this army of disposable people and it looks like we yeah. we pulled the trigger on that one yeah, they did not uh, work on uh, sense of humor at all. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like Data, like tried to understand that, but like I, I don't think that. Yeah, they, they yeah, were they, just they like seem, they seem a bit ahead. lower tier. Yeah, like uh, not as uh, I, I don't know as, as intellectual or as curious maybe, and like um, just like their uh, their their sense of humor was not like upgraded at all or like (laughs) they didn't learn from previous jokes or you know what i mean so they were like they like knew that they weren't gonna get the joke you know although i'd say the hard hat crew wasn't exact that wasn't the comedy store like those jokes were (laughs) (laughs) i love that they have their future hard hats on and of course they're eating space pineapples I have to wonder how many combinations of single letters and single single uh, numerals you can get before you run out of significant uh, words. Because you've got B4, we got it, and now you've got F8 of the Furious. I didn't, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, yeah. so uh, we'll have to write a computer program that can run through all the things for us. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, so... Like, oh, go ahead. So it, don't you feel like it'd be better to make a few datas who are like very smart and whatever, as opposed to a million F eights who can be hacked to then destroy <laughs> everything and kill everyone. And then themselves. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're probably going to get more uh, data, so to speak about that. As the uh, show goes on, I thought it was interesting that, you know, we immediately moved to the, the present of the show and we get this huge info dump from uh, our Romulan characters in the Picard household telling us all about the uh, Tal Shiar and the um, Zot, gosh, I'm not, not going to get it right, uh, who are the, uh, the Tal Shiar Tal Shiar. They're the boogeymen. And apparently they hate all synthetic life and they hate all AI and uh, are the ones behind the assassination uh, attack on Dodge. Which, uh, okay, all right. So I guess it's we can presume that they are behind the attack on Mars, uh, you know, through the synths. Uh, is that that's what I, I got out of it? Really? But do you think, because what's the advantage if all they want to do is, you know, wipe out synths? Like, is Mars the only place where they're using like that number of synths like that? Do you think? That's a good question. I don't know. Um, we, 
Ugh. I mean, if I mean, usually we do uh, speculation at the end, but I'll do a little speculation. Now. <laughs> uh, we get a big emphasis on we've always known that the Romulans have enjoyed their privacy and and their secrecy. And we get that gets hit a couple times in this episode. So I don't know, like if this if the uh, fleet yards are building a rescue fleet to uh, rescue, you know, the Romulans and interfere in their society, perhaps they want to you know, by proxy, destroy that effort by uh, hacking into the synths and destroying the fleet yards and causing sowing uh, dissension in Starfleet and basically making them give up on the effort. That seems like you're going to have a lot of dead Romulans on your hands, but I, you know, maybe there's some other part of their plan. Yeah, well, and also I, I mean, I don't know, I'm sure we'll, we'll come to realize the logic of whatever is uh, going on. But um, like if I were a person who hated synths, I and I decided to attack a facility where a lot of synths were working, I would blame it if I had the technology to hack into them and like make, you know, make them go crazy, which is kind of, I, I'm assuming that's what happened. I would blame it on them. I wouldn't also fire with ships. You know what I mean? Sure. Well, I guess so I'm we don't... curious to see like how connected it is and what the what the motive is. I guess are they in the ships? Like, is do you have uh, I don't know Seven Eleven and Johnny Five are up there uh, <laughs> piloting the ships as well? I I didn't. Um, I guess I'm a little confused on like who the attacking force was just outside yeah. of the uh, synths going wild. Yeah, I kind of assumed it was the synths, but then it's like if you want to. Um... I mean, did they have them kill, like, the uh, the people who worked there be- so that people would distrust synths even more? Like, it wasn't just a, a plot to destroy the synths. It was a plot to destroy the synths and then everyone who worked there? Well, that's it. Yeah, if, I guess if it was a plot to – this is fun. I'm having fun. Uh, I guess if it was a plot <laughs> to uh, just discredit synths, then you have uh, F8, you know, go ham on everybody and leave one – you know, blood-covered person alive uh, as a witness, but they clearly wanted to destroy the crew, and I'm assuming the production capability of the fleet. You know, by destroying uh, the staff and everybody that works there, and just going scorched earth on it. That would be my assumption, but I'm not a Romulan. <laughs> yeah, you kind of wonder. Well, well, then, like, how are you know you're you're affecting the, your own rescue effort? So, does that <laughs> yeah. balance out somehow? Like. Do you uh, hate synths within, that badly? Wheels that are in th- inside the wheels, yeah. Yes. Um, so we uh, we have Picard uh, and his assistant. Uh, they find out that uh, they don't know exactly where uh, Daja's sister is, but they know she's off-world. We cut to where she is on the cube. And this is – I know this is supposed to be confusing and intriguing, but this is the part of the show that gets has gotten a real short shrift as far as I'm concerned, like we cut back here and I have no idea what's going on. We met, you know, sexy Dr. Frankenstein and the twin uh, last week. And now they're, you know, they're immediately in bed and they're having a, this conversation literally about secrets. You know, she's like, is everything a secret? And he's like, yeah, I can't tell you that. So icky gross. Sorry. (laughs) No, I got the lounge lizard. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like I get the, I got my skin crawled when they were having that conversation. It was really, really gross. (laughs) I was but like, oh my so god, hot. I just... <laughs> Romulan Hot is like a lower scale. It's like, you know, the numbers. <laughs> yeah, it's on a curve. 
So uh, <laughs> what we learn at the Cube is that it, the reclamation effort is apparently uh, reclaiming uh, the, the people, hopefully, but definitely the technology that uh, they've got from this capture Borg Cube, which they are reluctant to call a Borg Cube. They call it the artifact. It's not a Borg Cube anymore. It's the artifact, which seems like good branding. Yeah, I'm, it's amazing branding. <laughs> it's uh, non-threatening branding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's Happy Fun Cube now. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> uh, we cut back to uh, Picard's house, and he's getting his uh, space checkup, I guess. And there's an interesting character here. Um, if I'm correct on the name, it's Doctor Moritz Benayoun, who was uh, the chief medical officer on the Stargazer uh, with Picard way, way back in the day. And he gives him the okay on all the tests except for one. There is an irregular irregularity in the parietal lobe, and nothing comes out def- definitively in the air. But I think we are meant yeah. to assume that perhaps uh, the dreaded aromatic syndrome has shown its head. Okay, I wasn't sure what I was supposed to get out of that. To be perfectly honest, I was like, "This is a lot of information," but I don't know what it means. So, Ella, Ella did you get that impression? Yeah, I mean, I guess I kind of thought I was like. Okay, this is their, like, I mean, I guess what I thought is, like, they're going to be able to, you know, uh, boot Picard off in, in one way or the other within a few seasons here, really. Like, I felt like the implication was, like, you know, your days or your years are a little bit more numbered than they already were because you're kind of an old man. Yeah. Right. It, yeah, and if you start seeing, like, shabbily dressed people yelling at you in your vineyard, then we, we know what's going on <laughs> in here, right? Or if you start moving <laughs> through time, yeah, it's uh, that's right. Um, I I noticed something in this scene that like there are people you know people like or dislike uh, New Trek on CBS uh, for their own reasons, but there is definitely a different visual style. And yeah, we got a got close to a couple lens flares in this episode, but I think I really pinned down what people what unsettles people about New Trek, and that's like he's it's two very old men having a conversation with each other about one of the one of those men's health. And there's like it's like cut, cut, cut. They're just sitting in their lawn chairs and the camera's like panning as they as they're just sitting and talking. And I'm not like I Hanel Culpepper is a great director, but there's definitely this, I think, effort to inject energy into every setting in in these episodes. And I think that makes people uncomfortable compared to just shot reverse shot while Picard is talking to data you know in his uh, in his ready room or whatever yeah there's a certain kind of um intensity i think that goes with the with a uh with star trek picard so far yeah. um and uh i mean we already obviously there's there's some sort of mystery we want to get to the bottom of the mystery just like picard does but um i think there's kind of that uh that uncertainty the like little bit of anxiety about like what's going to happen next and is it going to be okay and is he going to stumble into something he really shouldn't and that sort of thing i think also a lot of people like they think of star trek as like it's like their escape right so they watch an episode and maybe there's some heavy topics in the episode but the at the end you are more or less satisfied, you feel okay. And so then when you go to watch this new series and it's a couple episodes where it's like, oh, these top, it's a little dark. 
the topics are a little heavy and there's not really a happy ending. <laughs> a lot of F words. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it makes you a little uncomfortable, which is which is OK, right? Because, you know, like sometimes you don't like to just sit and contemplate how Picard is going to die. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is fine. I don't think any of us do, but <laughs> no. Yeah, I just think that a stillness would communicate the same, if not more, than trying to sort of keep the the camera moving the whole time. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, not not great news, uh, and it's also something that they're going to pocket. We're going to find out more later, probably. Uh, after that, Picard goes to Starfleet, and we get a little hit of the TOS theme, which was uh, was kind of nice there. And we got these like cool, um, I guess like beaming doors. People are coming in and out of these uh, these door frames and uh, being you know transported from somewhere. But it <laughs> seems confusing and unsafe. <laughs> Imagine that you you get off the train or the tube somewhere, and you're like, "Is this the right station? Okay, oh, I got to watch out for this person. Am I going left or right?" Uh, just coming out of like this door, and like suddenly there's just like a bunch of other people. It just seems like a recipe for disaster. <laughs> but I guess it's a neat technology, though. And it looks great. It does it, look great. It does look great. Uh, he goes to the office of, again, I'm just guessing on names, but uh, Admiral Kirsten Clancy. I think I know where we, she got her first name from. And he <laughs> is uh, making the case to her about getting a ship. It could be a small ship, uh, a small crew. And you know what? <laughs> tell you, let me throw in this. Uh, you, can, you can demote me to a captain. You know, I've seen uh, the TOS movies. Come on. It'll, it'll be fun. Get out there again. Fly around. And she's not having it. Uh, she's not excited about that. She doesn't like the uh, him poking around. And she was watching uh, Fox News the other night, and she saw him <laughs> there, uh, yelling about Starfleet and stuff. And so she yeah. says a big, big no for that one. That was a that was a really bad. I mean, that interview we we knew that did not go well. But that man, that really blew up in his face. Yeah, it's had uh, continuing repercussions, uh, negative ones in, at that. And I thought it was interesting because they bring up Bruce Maddox again and he's, you know, he's bringing this up as like a case here. And she's like, what are you talking about? Like, we don't know who this guy is. Is he alive? Who cares? And I think it's significant that they bring him up again, uh, a character that we don't know if they're going to be on the show or not. And I actually talked to uh, Melinda Snodgrass, the creator and writer of that character and the writer of Measure of a Man. And she was like. Yeah, that's weird. (laughs) Well, okay, I guess there's no guild check coming your way uh, just yet for this character appearing. But I don't know if I had to uh, put put some money on it. I I think that he seems to be very important to this. Yeah, he does. And he's mentioned a couple of times in the episode by name and, um, uh, you know, which I'm sure we'll talk about more as 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 we continue to talk about the episode. But uh, yeah, he's definitely a pivotal, important figure in all this. Yeah, I'd be waiting by the phone if I was that actor. Um, and there's also a, the, it turns into a something of a philosophical debate uh, about the role of the Federation because Picard believes that we should have saved the Romulans no matter what. Uh, the Admiral seems to believe that really feder- the Federation's um, – it's a utilitarian sort of argument. Like they are there to protect the galaxy as a whole, and we can't just go off for these people that we can't necessarily trust. And so it seems to be this repetition of the idea of something is something is rotten in the state of Starfleet. Um, you know, I mentioned like the Badmirals taken over, um, but we just – we see that maybe things aren't quite as – happy and cheery as we might have left them previously. Yeah, I think like um 
like the bad rules, I think they deserve the reputation that they've garnered <laughs> over the years because yeah. it just seems like it's it's like they're always up to something, you know, and they're 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 sneaky and uh, they you know they deny people certain things and they let other people do it. It's I I don't really know what their like mot- where their motivation lies, but it's like how did you get to admiral if you are this <laughs> conniving? Maybe you know? yeah <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe people, uh, who don't make it to Admiral are, uh, you know, it's like I, like I say about Janeway, well-behaved women seldom make Admiral. So maybe you have to think about, uh, making those hard decisions. Um, <laughs> I know I've heard like some fans or, or some people who are watching the show are distressed that it does seem so negative and kind of nihilistic. And I think, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, Gene Roddenberry created a thing where the future is great and we're going to go other places and see that it, maybe it's not so great and feel good about how great we have it. And maybe you can take that so far. But, of course, over the next 50 years, different shows, tie-in media have all explored the darker side of this utopia that they live in and this military organization that sort of oversees it. And I think that, I don't know, maybe that's maybe we need to look in, into, into that some more. But also, it's like, I feel like a pillar of Star Trek is like, it it is and it isn't a utopia, right? So like, so like in, in theory in Star Trek, Earth is like this utopia. The point is that, especially in TOS, we've created this amazing future. Yeah. But also it comes with like arguing with yourself about the complexity of morality like within the prime directive. Yeah. And And the complexities that come with this organization, which is supposed to be exploration science a a helper whatever but you also have to act uh as the as the military for at least your planet if not whatever part of the galaxy that you're also protecting and so you know for whatever reason this picard and sometimes disco seems to be hitting people kind of different but i feel like it's like been a pillar of star trek where you're like you have to question authority and that authority has to make like very hard decisions yeah. Like trying to mm-hmm. save the Romulans when their son was going supernova. It's like, do you use all of your resources possible to try and save as many of them as possible? Or do you start to pull back so that you still have resources left to help everyone else that you're already trying to, you know, aid? Yeah, it's yeah, it's um, I was. <laughs> I don't mean to be dropping so many names, but I was talking to uh, author David Mack the other day, and <laughs> we were talking about this. I mean, he's the angel of death, right? Like, he's he's written so many yeah. uh, of these tie-in novels that are, <laughs> with such dark themes. And he just kept, kept hitting on that idea of what Cisco says, that it's easy to be a saint in paradise. And if you mm-hmm. are uh, ensign in Starfleet or you're a happy Federation person just living on your world and having a good time, it's you're enjoying the fruits of all these horrible decisions that the people in power or the people who have been given responsibility have to make. Yeah. Like you're going to be, you're going to be somebody's bad guy. Once you get to be an admiral or whatever, you're going to be somebody's bad guy either way. Cause you have to make the decision. We'll do, you know, it's like, do we pull back and, you know, protect ourselves and however many others, you know, and then it, yeah, it's a utilitarian argument. Like you said. Well, there are some characters in this show who are bad morals, I think, for just about everybody. And uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, we cut back to the uh, Borg Cube, or excuse me, the reclamation site, and we hear about the Borg Artifact Research Institute. 
and uh, the workers uh, who are working uh, on this uh, effort to reclaim artifacts. We hear about the XBs, and I don't think we get any more information about that. Um, you know, Dr. Sexy Frankenstein shows up, and he's there to uh, talk to uh, the... What is the... Um, what's Daja's sister's name? Soji. Soji. That's yeah. Right. Yeah, talk to Soji and her uh, new friend. And we get... Um, we, we, we see them working on uh, these uh, Borg or these former drones, and they're taking these pieces out. And it seems like the Romulans that are working on them have uh, no real like regard for them as uh, people or, or ex-people, uh, whatever their status is. And we see that uh, Soji feels differently. Soji has, uh, has empathy for them. Yeah, I think uh, the Romulan that's working on him is calls them the nameless Mm-hmm. Yeah. or something like that and she's yeah. like yeah, that's I exactly hate that it. term you <laughs> yeah, know? But I like that like nameless is a name <laughs> Ooh, I guess that technically good. that's true yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes uh, we see uh, that the, the doctor um, again I don't know anybody's names Allison Pills character yeah um, I think Agnes is her first Agnes. name yeah. Yes. yeah Thank you. Uh, meets with Picard, um, and they lament over the fact that not only uh, is it tragic that a young girl died, but uh, she would have been an amazing uh, discovery uh, to talk about uh, and and learn about. But we also learn that Bruce Maddox apparently created Soji's records from scratch. Like she is has been placed in this um, reclamation place uh, for what purpose uh, we know not, and of course. Uh, Agnes uh, reiterates that the uh, things get kind of secret, secret planny, she says, uh, with <laughs> AI researchers. So everybody's got secrets. Everybody's doing it. Uh, Picard is desperate for help at this point, and he gets his communicator, and he calls Raffi, which is not the character from The League that I know Mika likes a lot. <laughs> but is uh, turns out to be uh, his former XO. Raffi's actually a character that we see in that comic series uh, as well. And he's going to meet up with her, although uh, the meeting doesn't go well, and we'll see the rest of it in the next episode. And we cut back to a new character, a Vulcan Commodore, who I believe is uh, Commodore O, I think is her name. I did not yeah. catch it, that's what honestly. I got from the, that's what I got from the subtitles. Uh, I heard O at some point. <laughs> when Lieutenant Rizzo is, yeah, is re- references O, so. Yeah, okay. She chews out uh, <laughs> this uh, new evil lieutenant, uh, Rizzo, yes. uh, who was behind the assassination of Dodge, which uh, was successful, but was kind of a kind of a, a big, uh, you know, just a big pile of uh, nothing there. And uh, so she has to go talk to Dr. Frankenstein, who turns out is her baby brother. So we're getting some of the connections here. And I remarked <laughs> to uh, Mika earlier that uh, it's a good thing that this is spread out, this pilot over three episodes, because you can't introduce 47 characters in one episode. In one oh episode. my God, I was literally, I was watching it and I was thinking about the disco pilot being like, it really took them two episodes and it's taking this two, two episodes to yeah. introduce us to what's They're going really on. They're really jamming in here. Um, <laughs> And so uh, O puts the, the – it, it, everything runs downhill, right? The uh, crap runs downhill. O puts the screws to Rizzo, and then she goes and yells at uh, <sighs> Dr. Sexy Frankenstein, whose character Narek. name is Narek. Yes. Narek, that's right. I'll have it all by next week until we get a whole new team of characters. But <laughs> she tells I him cheated. To, <laughs> I looked tells, at the cast list, so. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. You're cheating. Great. <laughs> so she <laughs> tells him he's got to get on top of this. He says he already is. 
and uh, we see that there is some kind of evil connection there. Uh, go figure that the Romulan Lounge Lizard would be uh, a, a double agent. And I don't know. Uh, after that, uh, that's pretty much it for the episode. We see in the flashes of next week that it looks like we'll finally get our little ragtag team together here. And we'll be off to the races. Were you guys yeah. satisfied by this episode? Um, I feel like, you know, like you said, uh, it, it, it feels like we're putting a lot of pieces into place so we can actually move on and do stuff. Yeah. You know, like, we, like we're just setting everything up still. Um, so, I mean, I thought it was, it, I thought it was okay, but it was, it was, it was basically an extension of, of, of last week, which is, which is totally fine. Um, but, uh, not as much action even as last week, I think. Yeah, definitely not. I also feel like it's hard to be satisfied when like the characters themselves are still figuring stuff out. Like it's kind of this mystery, yeah. right? And yeah. so it's yeah. like, I'm not as satisfied as like I would be, but it's also like because I'm not supposed to be. Like there's cliffhangers, there's questions that need to be answered that the characters have to figure out. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. I can't wait to see how uh Seven of Nine fits into all of this because uh... Oh my god, me too. <laughs> we and Hugh too, yeah. Um we, we know that uh there will be a second season. And we also yes. know that there won't be a lot of seasons you know they've said that they they can probably bring this home in like three or four seasons but i uh, the impression that i get is that we are settling in for the long haul here um you know uh uh in the tolkien legendary or tolkien legendarium i know Elle is a fan of that yeah. it's like you know the first couple chapters there's not a lot really happening here but you gotta know uh who frodo is and you gotta know about Bilbo's ring and you got to know about Gandalf and there's just watching this. I'm, I'm getting the feeling that they're really laying the groundwork for something while also trying to keep you entertained. And there's, I have to watch these again because it's, it's so dense. Every frame is <laughs> like, there's just something to see in every single minute. You know, I just turned around to like uh, get a sip of coffee and I turned back and I'm like, I know I missed something. So I think that's, I think that's a good sign. I think that they have really uh, done their homework here and they're ready to, really um not just give you a little something and then go well, what do we do now i think they really have they're they're laying in um uh, uh they're, they're they're uh setting a big story up here that's gonna play out over uh you know hopefully a, a couple of years and seasons here yeah well and the uh the fellowship analogy is easy to make even before they showed us that literally like Vulcan Legolas with a sword. You have my sword. That's true. That's very true. And my like, similarities were there, literally. And then it's like, and also me, a Vulcan with a samurai sword. Maybe a Romulan, I don't know. And my pinch, yeah. <laughs> I thought uh, it was interesting else? too oh, that the uh Commodore O uh she like seemed to pause when uh Admiral Clancy uh, mentioned Bruce Maddox. So um, just kind of shows that he's onto something there, you know? Well, and oh. why is she undercover? I Yeah, good question. Why they, is... Why'd she have, because she's a Romulan, why'd she have her ears rounded? Why is she, oh, you yeah, know, Rizzo? she doing? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, you know, Star Trek loves reusing ideas and I feel like <gasps> maybe somebody just feels like, man, I wish we got to pull the trigger on, uh, on, on Savick being uh, Romulan or whatever. So maybe they're just finally getting around uh, to doing that. <laughs> okay. I could see that. That's what um, I think. <laughs> also, um, 
and Cal, you and I mentioned this too. Like, there's no maps in Legends at all in this <laughs> yeah, the... Oh, yeah. <laughs> but this is the thing. I looked up maps and legends to see if that was maybe a reference to something Illusion. else. Yeah. Uh, Michael Shaben has a book of essays called Maps and Legends. No. So it can't be a reference to that, can it? This is an abuse of, of power. <laughs> this is self-promotion. Right? <laughs> I just thought that was strange. Uh, it goes all the way to the top. Goes, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anything else anybody wanted to say about the episode before we close it out? I don't think so. Does yeah, it? I don't know. It's I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued too, and um, I I hope it seems like you know in the grand tradition of switcheroos or whatever. I hope Dodge isn't dead. You know, I, it seems like there's there's an opening there. Like she might. Because they scanned the area or whatever, and they think that it's pro- maybe the Romulans sw- swept it, but they found no evidence of, you know, her her particles or whatever. So, I I, I really like the Soji character, and I'd love to have you know the two people, the, the twins. I'd love for them to meet and, and find out more about these characters. Well, and I'm interested to see because, in as far as we know, she's like quote unactivated end quote. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. That's going to be interesting if she really was created, you know, only three years prior to see her find that out. And what is the activation? Because if Bruce Maddox, you know, created these these twins, uh, d- did he do it for did, why did he give him mad MMA skills? Like what was, you know, the, <laughs> well, the I think, well, there? because because with Dodge, it was like it seemed like a, a, a switch flipped because she was in like mortal danger. Yeah. Mm. So. I'll just I don't uh, know. download Kung Fu into you and then uh, <laughs> or, sorry, right. upload Kung Fu into you. I don't want to get that wrong. <laughs> well, I think we did it. I think that's it for this week. Uh, thanks for joining us, listeners. If you like what you hear, uh, there's plenty more discussions just like this on our shows. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at EISTPOD for updates and to get notified when new episodes of both Enterprising Individuals and Discoverage are released. You can tweet to us on the show by using the hashtag Discoverage, or you can email us at EISTPod at gmail.com. Also, while you're on the internet, why not head to your listening platform of choice and subscribe to our show feed, give us a rating and a review because it really does help us out. If you want to help the show grow, stop by our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash EISTPod. And as always, if you like the show, tell a friend. Discovery will return on February 6th for the third episode of Star Trek Picard entitled The End is the Beginning. And if there is no smashing pumpkins in that episode, I'm going to be very disappointed. Uh, we'll be going live <laughs> once again at 7 p.m. Central, hopefully. Uh, so join us then. You can follow us on Twitter or Facebook at EIST Pod to get notified when we are live and broadcasting. And in the meantime, you can check out our main show, Enterprising Individuals, at enterprisingindividuals.com. Every Wednesday on the show, I and a guest discuss in excruciating detail a selected episode from a Star Trek series. We also have news from the Trek Sphere and interviews with special guests. Our fifth season premiere is currently available. On it, I talk with comics writer Kevin Church about the TNG episode Captain's Holiday. That's another episode where we see some uh, Picard action out of uniform. So go check that out. Ella, thanks as always for joining me to talk about this episode of Picard. Uh, remind people where they can find you online. Thank you. Um, we are at uh, generationsgeek.com and generationsgeek on Twitter and Instagram um, and everywhere you listen to podcasts. 
Awesome. Uh, any uh, Tolkien content coming up? Um, I don't know about on our show. I did just guest on Keep on Tolkien, which is a local uh, Tolkien podcast. They're amazing. We did. Um, they do these artifacts episodes where they talk about artifacts and Tolkien. And I was just on the Rings one. Yeah. Very exciting. Um, very funny. They're the best. So yeah. I've been I've been waiting to do a deep dive uh, into their stuff. I know that um, I've been going down uh, YouTube rabbit holes recently about uh, uh, Tolkien uh, videos and stuff like that. Oh, you! Oh my God! If you're already doing that, you, you have to listen to them instead. They're yeah. they're the best. <laughs> it's another one of those things. It's like you said at the beginning of the episode, where it's like you you know all the Star Trek, you've seen all these episodes, you know this, this, and that, but it's just just so much to like keep in your head. And yeah, I'm the same way with the Silmarillion. Like, I, I could read the Silmarillion and be like, "Oh, that's I love that, it's so great," and then forget like everything that happened. Like, who are the Noldor and what was the thing? And the <laughs> so like these little videos, and I'm sure um, uh, Keep All Tolkien too are good for like refreshers for all that uh, voluminous information. Yeah, absolutely, and it's 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 so entertaining. It's I really can't recommend them enough. They're fantastic. Yeah, and I was just on the Rings episode. <laughs> <laughs> The Lord of the Rings. Uh, Mika, thanks for being on the show, too. What's coming up on Just Enough Trope? Yeah, uh, coming up, we're going to be exploring tropes of overpowered characters. These are characters that are, are too powerful, that, that break any TV show or film that they're in. Um, a like really Poochie. good... Ex yes, <laughs> exactly. You can't recycle to the extreme. <laughs> That's too much. Um, another really good example would be uh, Superman. And I know uh, that you and I have talked about before on uh, the Justice League cartoon show, at least in the early seasons, um, they had to have something wrong with Superman. Otherwise, he would just <laughs> solve the episode in like five minutes and there would be no show. Superman's got jury duty, everybody. He can't right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that's great. Uh, listeners, check that out. And that is it for us. Thanks for listening. And this is Aaron signing off for Ella and Mika saying... Live long and prosper. Bye.